Excluding pastors. Oh, okay. Anybody? Anyone? Okay, let me just share a quick testimony. It's about the church and our our chairs. Um, I'm sure a lot of you came in. Well, last week, a lot of you didn't come, but we brought them in last week. And um, so of about four, five years now, has, yeah, it's been probably about that. Um, we've been renting Antifilo's chairs. And we haven't had it easy with her at all because she's always pushing us. When are you going to buy your chairs? When are you going to bring my chairs back? To the point that when we have our yearly, um, what do you call it? We, every year, the Christ area, we gather at um, the bishop's house and the leadership. And when we gather, um, you have to keep, give account. You know, what is it? What's going on? Is anything changing? Are you moving forward as a branch? What are your challenges and all? And every single time, Auntie Philo will bring up the issue of the chairs. And then one day someone went to lose talk <laughs> and said that we are we are we are ordering our chairs from China and that they will be coming very soon. Since then, where are the China chairs? We've been waiting for these China chairs forever. They haven't come. And actually, we did start looking for chairs. We contacted this Chinese manufacturer. It was actually this exact same type. And we were looking at it. It looked very impossible because Charlie, the amounts that was quoted to us in, uh, in USD. And at that time, the money just wasn't there, you know. Because once you, sh- you first, you have to buy the chairs. Then you have to find a shipping container to get it in. Ship it over. Then after that, now you have to think about clearing and all that. So we looked at the situation and Charlie, it was looking very, very difficult. But we still kept believing and we kept praying. And then last year, um, it was Michelle who brought my attention to um, an, an ad that she heard on the radio about a, a furniture store in um, Achimota. So she said we should look at it. So um, we spoke to them. We started a conversation. And then one Saturday, Reverend Huigbe, myself, and uh, Michelle decided to just take a trip there and then go and, um, go and meet the people. So we met this um, wonderful lady. And... <laughs> she gave us a hard time, but still, she, she really tried for us. Um, so we got there, we spoke to them, and it's, uh, you have to pay 150 for one chair, right? And we wanted 100, so that's like 15,000. Like, where the money did? You know, Charlie, we look at the situation, was, and their payment terms was you pay half. And then they will deliver. Then the other half you pay over three months. But we didn't really have the money to do that at that time. And so um, we decided to go back, think about it. And then we, we proposed to them that we would, instead of giving us the chairs now, we'll just gradually pay over time. And then when, after a year we have finished, we gave her uh, one year. After a year we have finished paying, they can deliver the chairs. And... She was like, no, it doesn't make sense. She's been thinking about us. Why would you be wanting to pay for chairs for like a whole year and all that? And she was looking at the situation. It's not something that they've done before. They haven't even considered it, you know, that someone will be paying gradually for a while before they deliver the chairs. Usually, he said they order the chairs. It takes about two months to get in. China chairs, exactly the same kind of chairs that we had been looking for. And, and so... We kept praying, we kept talking to them, and then they came back to us and said, you know what, in order to secure themselves 
they will, um, well, first of all, they have interest that they add onto the thing. And then secondly, they want to charge us in U.S. dollars just so that at least they don't lose on the exchange rates because they are, um, what do you call it, paying USD when they are getting the stuff. So we decided to agree. So they gave us a period of uh, 12 months to finish paying. And um, we ended up, it ended up being like almost 3,000 USD. But by the grace of God, we started paying it um, end of November, early December last year. And by the grace of God, by May, we had actually gotten to a point where we had finished paying everything. You know, and how God provided the funds for us is just is 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 mind boggling. And we always have these kinds of testimonies here in Harvest Cathedral where if it doesn't this place that we are in worshiping right now, same thing. We we are we paid US dollars over here too, you know. And it's something that we couldn't have imagined the time that we were even trying to consider moving away from uh Prisecco, you know, but somehow God always makes a way. Amen. So when I say that God is blessing us here, you should understand, apart from even blessing the church, there are individual stories here that I personally know of, you know, that he's moving. So I encourage you, maybe the situation may seem like it's not working out right now, but continue trusting God, continue believing God. He's always making a way for his people. He's always making a way for the church. Amen. Amen. I've chopped your time, but... Um, today my message is titled Examine Your Love Examine Your Love And um, Yeah, it's always, it's always Some way preaching the same message twice Every time I say this But um, we will just go ahead And do that um, <clears throat> So Imagine that you are, okay, imagine you are watching a movie or maybe a TV series or even maybe you know someone who is in a relationship and, um, okay, let's say the woman is like fully committed. She's completely into it. Her heart, her mind, everything that she's doing is because she is truly, deeply in love with the guy, you know, and this is a guy who has played all the playing that he could have played, like serious player in life, and then he decided to settle, and then he went for the good girl, you know, and this girl is just completely mad in love with this guy, but once in a while, the guy will go out and go and play the fool and come back, but the girl is still open-heartedly accepting him every time. He maltreats her, he beats her, he does everything, you know, that you can imagine, that you can think about to her. But her arms are always still open, you know. Sometimes, what would you say to a woman like that? Honestly, think about it. What would you say to her if you knew the story or if it was a movie that you're watching? Um, Acrimony. <laughs> Who has seen that? Yeah. That movie, it just it honestly like divides opinion because the men have a completely different opinion from what the women have as to what is occurring, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Anyway, if you were watching something like that, what would you think? <laughs> eh? 
she's been every time her arms are always open to this man. You would have sympathy for her in your heart. It's like, why are you putting yourself through that? Why are you doing this? Why, why is that you are always taking this from him? Exactly. Why won't you give up? Huh? It seems like you guys, so in this case, you are thinking of the man as the wicked person. Right? Amen. See, that's what the Bible says about our human heart. In Jeremiah, it says that the heart is deceitful and wicked in all its ways. Who can understand it? Amen. But in this scenario that I gave, think of God or Jesus as the woman whose heart is always open. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter the amount of abuse in the relationship, he's always, he's always open to you. He's always open for you. Every time you go and play the food and you come back home, he has a warm meal waiting for you, gives you a back rub, massage, kind words. Then you ask yourself, so why, why, why me? How is it that I deserve someone like this? I do not deserve this person. I do not deserve this person. And frankly, that's the place that I've been a lot like lately in my prayer life. When I'm praying, I'm thinking about the goodness of God. I'm thinking about myself, like who I am, deep inside. Who can know my heart? You don't know my heart. You know, in spite of all the things that I've done, in spite of everywhere that I go and come back, my past, the Lord said that it's you I want. You are the one that I want. You are the one that I have called. You are the one that I have chosen. Amen. The love of God is something that we can't understand with our own human. Because if we're supposed to think about it, you would ask why, why? Why are you still in this relationship? Why are you still in this dysfunctional relationship? I was saying earlier on that ever since Adam sinned, everything that has occurred throughout time was God chasing after you. He was chasing after you. He was chasing after me. After the sin from Adam, eh, so from Adam to Abraham, calling Abraham out to leave his father's house, all the way to bringing the um, Israelites out of Egypt to the point that he came down himself in the form of man to come and suffer humiliation so that you can be taken out from the grips of the enemy so that sin would have no hold on you to set you free. Then ask yourself, why? Do you deserve it? This is the essence of the love of God. And I want us to always be reminded when we, when we are living our lives, you know, about this person who is always there waiting for us, regardless of everything that we do, regardless of everywhere that we go. And he says that, look, my arms are open anytime. You are the one that I want. You are the one that I have called. The Lord is looking for a generation of people who are passionate about him, who understand the relationship. Amen. You don't just go and come. You don't come and pretend as if you are the most 
holiest of holiest. There are a lot of pretenders in the church nowadays. If I say pretenders, I mean people who are not real in themselves, who don't um, humble themselves in terms of knowing exactly who you are, your sinful nature, when you come before God or when you come before the people of God. Amen. So I would just like to give um, an example. Uh, let's open our Bibles. Jesus had this dialogue with, um, with Peter. And so I'll just give a foundation and then we will go into the actual conversation that they had. So uh, Matthew 26, 33, 35. So Peter, I'm reading from New King James. Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. He said, if, even, if anybody, even if everybody, even if, every, even if, even if bright, all the instrumentalists, everyone else, me, I will never Eh? <laughs> so I was like, God, me, I can never deny you. I will, I will follow you to death. That was agape. That was the love that he was professing to have with God. The love, the, that unconditional love that Christ came to show. That was the love that Peter was telling him, look, I love you like that. I will, I will follow you to death. And Jesus was like, my friend, this thing where you talk, are you sure? Because I have a feeling that before the cock crows three times, it's like, God, me. Never. And then what happens? <clears throat> ah, but were you not the one with Jesus? Me. First time. Second time. Ah, I saw you with him. Oh, I don't know the guy. Don't accuse falsely. <clears throat> Third time. I saw you. You are one of his guys. He's like, no. When he denied him the third time, what was his he, he His eyes locked with Jesus' eyes. Jesus saw him and then he remembered <clears throat> what he had told him. See, he said that your love for me is agape. But it's not true. There you are. Now you have denied me. Not once, not twice. Three times. And now people in the church right now, they will, they will move heaven and earth to try and convince you that they are the most audacious. But we have to be real. We have to be honest if we are going to be welcomed into the love that only Christ can lead us into. Amen. So then we move forward. <clears throat> After he had died, he had gone through all that suffering, he resurrects, comes back. He spends a time, a period is 40 days that he spent on earth with the disciples, also still working with them, teaching them, and all that. 
So when you go to John 21, uh, 15 to 17, it tells you of this dialogue that goes on between uh, Peter and Christ. And they had already met before. And this issue had never come up. No, so I'm sure Peter was just, he was itching. I was like, hey, why haven't you even spoken about this? Because it was very significant in their relationship. You know, where he was like, he just denied the guy flat out. You know, and so he was like, I've met you once, you haven't brought it up. I've met you two times, you haven't brought it up. And then the third time, he goes and he feeds him. They are finished eating, <clears throat> satisfied. Then Jesus releases just when you are, you are comfortable, you feel like everything is fine. Then the test comes. It's like, let me test your love. Let me examine the love that you say you have for me. John chapter 21, 15 to 17. So when they had eaten breakfast, when we did it, we know. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? Like, do you love me more than this? Because he said that he loves all these disciples here. Nobody, they love you past me. It's like, so now, do you love me more than this? And what was Peter's response? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus said, feed my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend to my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Now at this point, it's like, bro, three times. Why? And he said, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Amen. Is someone here. But if you go into the actual original Greek translation, that's when this whole scripture and this whole dialogue begins to make sense. As you know, what, like, Something like reading why Peter was grieved. He wasn't grieved because Jesus was asking him a third time. If you read the Greek, when um, Jesus asked him the first time, he said, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? Now, the love there was the agape. He said the response was, um, what do you call it? The, the question was agapao me. So it was that agape, that unconditional love that only Christ can give. He was like, so Christ was asking him, you said that you love me to death. Do you still love me? Agapao me. That's unconditional love. And what was Peter's response? Wait, so first of all, there are three kinds of love in the Bible. The first is eros, which is, um, this is Greek. It is the erotic, romantic kind of love. Then there's filio, which is a brotherly, friendly kind of love. Then there's the highest form of love, which is the agape love, which is the unconditional love of God. 
Amen. So Christ was asking him, he was like, you said that you will go to death for me. Now I'm asking you, Agapao me. And his response was what? Filiose. He's saying that, I love you like a brother. I love you like a friend. Because now, we had seen it. He doesn't agape God. So he couldn't bring himself to a place where he would tell him that, Lord, I, would, I just love you, that kind of love. He was like, filio say. Like a brother, like a friend. Now, filio is a, is a sincere kind of love. It's just a much um, weaker type of love. So after all the morph morph, we have seen you for who you truly are. You are weaker than you say you are. Then Jesus asks him again, Agapalme. Again, he responds, Filiose. Now the third time, Jesus is asking, he's asking, Filiome. He has come down to Peter's level. Amen. Because now he's like, you have accepted that, that kind of love. You can't really give me. So I'm going to accept you in your weakness. I'm going to accept you as you are. And that's why Peter was grieved. Because Jesus had come down to his level. But what Jesus was doing was just inviting him into a much deeper love. The, only, the love that only him can give. He was like, look, I understand. And I know. Now you are being sincere with me. You are being honest with me. I know you can't give me that love. But let me bring you into a place where I lead you. Into that agapao. Amen. So my question, as Jesus was asking, do you love me? He's asking you, do you love me? What is the essence of your love? Are you professing to have that unconditional love for me? Just to please someone, to let someone think that you are the most incredibly holy person on the earth? Or are you going to be honest with yourself? Evaluate things and be like, Lord, I don't love you the way that I'm supposed to. I'm not capable. I'm not able. I have tried. But I can't. I can't, I can't bring myself into that place where everyone, when I come, I see people kneeling down. I see people with their hands up in the air. I see people lying. I see people crying when they are in worship. Lord, I can't do that because I haven't come there yet. I haven't reached there yet. I know my level. He wants us to come to a place where we understand that you are the only one who can take me there. You are the only one who can bring me. My heart desires to love you the way you love. The way you are supposed to be loved. Lord, help me. I'm just mere mortal. I'm a human being. I'm prone to mistakes. I'm prone to evil. My heart is deceitful. It is wicked. 
But I still want you. I still want more of you. I want you to lead me. I want you to teach me. I want you to reveal to me. Amen. No matter how strong we think our love for Christ is, it is usually weaker than we realize. But no matter how weak our love for him is, he is willing to take us as we are and lead us into a place where only he can bring us. Amen. So I'll just give you um, five points um, on how to just walk in a place where you're actually trying to um, get that, this sort of intimate relationship, that intimate love with God. You know, there's a, there's, okay, so last week um, when I was preaching, I'm, I'll just quickly run through this and then we will close. Before I give you the point, there's a transactional relationship that you can have with God and then there's a deep intimate relationship that you can have with God. Amen. If you read um, the account of Moses, Moses, um, for a certain time, you know Moses went to the top of the mountain twice. The first time he went, he got the commandments, came down, and then the Israelites had already prepared for themselves this golden calf, and they were dancing and singing and um, having fun. And he, he broke that thing in anger, and so the Lord called him up again. But look, up until that point, the relationship that he had with God was very transactional. It was like, he gives, God gives him instructions, he does it. God gives him instructions, he does it. Whatever blessing comes with obeying the instructions you receive, then we move. That was the first time. So the first time he went, came down with commandments, broke it. Second time he went up there, something had changed. Because when he came back, the Bible says that it was like the glory of God was glowing on his face. That they, no, they, nobody could look into the point. They had to actually put a whole veil on his face to block out the light that was shining, that was emanating from his face. Why? Let me just take you to this one scripture. We will read it and then you will see exactly what I'm talking about. So. He said, Exodus chapter 33, 12 to 13. It's like then Moses said to the Lord, okay, let's read, um, what do you call it, 33, uh, 1 to 3 first. Now, this is when they had um, disobeyed God and God was mad at them. And this is what he was telling um, Moses. He said, the Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here. You and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it, and I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, Amorite, Hittite, and Perizzite. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on your way, for you are a stiff-necked people. So God was telling him at the point they had disobeyed him that, look, I have made this promise to your parents, I have made this to your, your forefathers, so you go ahead and walk into the promise. The land flowing with milk and honey, I'm going to give it to you. All the blessings that I promised to your father Abraham, I'm going to give it to you, but I'm not going to go with you. It's like my presence is not going to go with you because you are stiff-necked people. You are disobedient. And so look, it's, it's, it's possible to walk in the blessing, to walk in the promise of God, in the abundance of God, but the presence of God is not with you. 
It was the presence of God in the midst of the Israelites that was making the difference. When the people heard that the tabernacle was in, the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant was in the tabernacle, the presence of God, they were always reluctant to go into battle with the Israelites because they knew that victory would be with them because God was with them. And so God can take you into the promised land, but he's not with you. You know, and it gave them fear when they heard this. They were afraid. And you see, the Bible says that they were, they were, they were in mourning. They were repentant. And so, God called, um, what do you call it? Moses back up again. And now this time, 33, 12 to 13, then Moses said, he was like, see, you say to me, bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if, you have found, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. Show me now your way. Show me now your way. That I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people, he said. And then God said to him, said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. That was the difference. Now, he had a desire. Look, I've been doing, yes sir, massa, yes sir, massa. But I don't want that anymore. I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to understand you. I want to know who you are. And that was the difference. It was like, okay, now my presence will go with you. Because now you desire me. Now you understand. You know, that all these things that I've been doing, that I've been chasing after you. It's because of my love for you. And now you're asking me to teach you this love. And so he goes back up the next time. And now the relationship is so tight. It's so deep. It's so rich. That when he comes, like, the glory has rubbed off on him. His face is shining, glowing. And that's the difference. I want to know you. And so point number one. It's a desire. It starts with a desire. You have to desire it. It won't, if you don't desire it, you won't get it. That's deep into it. It has to be a desire. Always praying to God, Lord, I want this. I, I, I just want to know you more. I want to know you. There's more of you to be known. There's more of you to know. There's more of your glory to see. And then the obvious ones, which happen to be the most difficult things for believers. Reading your Bible and praying. Reading your Bible and praying. Reading. We say it from... Sunday school, read your Bible, pray every day. We've sang this song, if you want to grow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's so difficult. Discipline in reading your Bible, spending time in devotion with God, in communion with God, before you step out of your day, before you go out, do anything, before you pick up the phone to check your messages. Read your Bible, pray. Praying, obviously. Okay, so read your Bible is number two. Praying is number three. Usually what I do, when you're praying, there's this, um, what do you call it, scripture in Second Thessalonians, it's uh, 3, 5. It talks about how, it's like, direct, direct my heart towards your love. Direct my heart towards your love. You know, Getting to know him, that love, he's the one who will teach you. So it's like, it's a prayer that I always say when I'm going into my closet to pray. It's just like, Lord, I want to know you more. So you can use that, Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. Use that to pray. Then obviously sharing your faith with others. 
Very, very important. You can't be a Christian in hiding. We don't have secret Christians. Or secret believers. Then the final one is just honesty and humility. Be honest with yourself. Be humble when you come before him. Know that you are nothing. You are nobody. Everything you are, everything you have is because of him. And God himself will take you to a place where your mind cannot even understand. It's a place of deep love and deep intimate relationship. Amen. I'll finish. (laughs) Amen. Let's be on our feet. Let's be on our feet.